Hello and welcome to another episode of Over Drinkers. Once again, here I am, Mike Burge, the voice in your ears. I'm the host. And today I am joined by Bernadette Gorman. Bernadette Gorman of Story Scream fame. Yes. Busting it out. <laughs> and uh, today we are uh, doing a really fun movie. Fun, yeah. fun movie? Fun movie. I, I like it, but it holds like a special place in my heart. I know. Me it's, too, too. Yeah. We'll get into that. All yeah. right, so we are doing the 2004 film Closer, directed by Mike Nichols, written by Patrick Marber, uh, based on a play by Patrick Marber of the same name. And today we are going to be, uh, we are enjoying, well, we have been enjoying before we started recording, a nice red wine, Antico Fuoco? Mm-hmm. And it's a Rosso. So. A Rosso. A Rosso. Yes, yes. Cheers to you. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Ah, dry in just the right spots. Yeah, dry the best. That's not a good saying. Well, you don't say that. For wine, yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, you picked this one. Mm-hmm. I want to. I really want to do an overdrinkers with you before uh, we. Right before we started recording, we were talking about how like you've never done a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always been with a group of four people or three people, uh, but you've been on some of my favorite podcasts that I've been a part of, personally. Oh, well, thank okay, you. So for you. <laughs> it's very hard to do, because oh. uh, they're all my friends. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you, you, we were trying to come up with a really good movie to do, and you mentioned Closer, and like you just said before, Closer having a, a very, like, a personal, it's a very personal film for you, and special mm-hmm. It's the same for me. Uh, this movie came out in 2004, so I would have been a young lad of 18. And when I was 18, I really hadn't been in a bunch of relationships, so to speak. It was more just kind of like high school flings and stuff like that. A couple little, uh, I know for I don't know if they're listening, but that would make some people really mad. <laughs> Doubt they're listening. Um, and Closer was really one of those uh, first movies that I had seen. I only saw it because it was Mike Nichols. And I loved uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And mm-hmm. Carnal Knowledge is, to this day, one of my favorite movies about um, relationships, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, have you seen Carnal Knowledge? I have not. That one's no. really good. Jack Nicholson and um, the lesser talented of the Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> duo. I'll leave that up to you. Well, actually, it's not up to you because he's the one that's in the movie. Right. Shit. <laughs> Well, that's an opinion. Um, it's an opinion, well. and on and uh, that's what this movie is really about: is about opinions in relationships and feelings and truths and half truths and the merits of lying mm-hmm. and uh, the basic nature of men of a male perspective and a female perspective on the same situations. What do you think of Closer before we start going a little too crazy into it? <laughs> well, um, I always try to stick with the themes that you have set up for Story Screen with the films that you're screening for that month. Mm-hmm. I typically go off book and will write articles and reviews over other things. Mm-hmm. But I try to stick with the theme. And just like I recently wrote a piece about Frost Nixon, which last month we were doing protest films. Yep. And I thought Frost Nixon would be applicable to that for sure. But then when this month came along and you did Shakespeare, Frost Nixon is a movie based on a play. And then I really wanted to talk about something else that had to do with that same type of just basis. And Mm -hmm. the medium of like a play being adapted to film. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. And then I thought of it in 
a hot flash. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, let's talk about Closer, because it's one of my faves. Um, my introduction to it was freshman year of college. Okay. Um, I grew up in a household, and my mom still doesn't have internet without internet. And we're a film family. We watch a lot of movies. We watch a lot of television. But other than going to the library, I didn't have a very open um, library to mm-hmm. choose from. And so when getting to school, getting to college, like just going to the library and checking out like five movies at a time and just binging them, because I'm a procrastinator. Okay, (laughs) that's fine. I would say like, I'm going to take a study break and just watch a movie. And watching that as a freshman in college was definitely a very good experience, I think. Yeah. Um, Depending on where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When you kind of go through heartbreak, I was kind of dealing with, yeah, as you said, an ex. I was dealing with a high school boyfriend and trying to realize like what that meant. Mm-hmm. And these characters in this film are dealing with what it means to be with someone for a while, but not quite know if that's the person. And having these very single-minded, narrow-minded views of what love is. Mm-hmm. And these characters in this film are kind of dealing with those same struggles. Right. They've and been through things. Like it's, but... And they even, like, the directing of it. And I mean, it's really the writing, because I think the play is a lot like this, too, uh, where we don't really see the in-betweens. We see the beginnings mm-hmm. and the endings of certain relationships in certain moments. Right. We don't get to actually see... You know, uh, we know why these people are in love. Mm-hmm. But we don't ever actually get to see them really being in love short of like, you know, the meat cutes and stuff like that. Right. And, and when I say, I guess in love is a different thing because this really deals with uh, the relationships that people have with one another because uh, Julia Roberts and Natalie Portman's characters have a relationship with one another just as much as Larry and Dan, Clive Owen and Jude Law's characters have a relationship with each other. And honestly, I, I think, I think that Larry and Dan's relationship in Closer is one of my favorite ones Mm -hmm. because you really get to see Dan's character. He's kind of like a social chameleon and depending on who he's around, he will, he will assert himself or he will act weak Mm -hmm. because he's a very tricky little fucker. He is. Dan is a very, he's a sniveling, uh, claims to, it's all about truth and being honest when he's the biggest liar of them all. Oh, certainly. And I think that's what kind of attracts him to uh, Alice in the beginning is because she's this unknown that he can pretty much say whatever he wants to her and he chooses to just tell her the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing that's at stake. He can just walk away from her and it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be any more than that. And there's that scene where he walks away, he's like, goodbye. He walks away and then he just makes that turn and turns around. And that's him going like, actually, I was just completely honest with this person. It and must mean something. It, maybe, like, maybe I could keep going at this because he's, li- he's got a, a girlfriend mm-hmm. at that point, too, um, who is a... What is she? What's, she's a linguist. She's a linguist. <laughs> linguist. And that's how, like, that's how you're talking about somebody who you're in, in a supposed relationship with, with a right. person that you just met on the street. Right. You know, and it, it, it says a lot about his character. And then whenever he's up against Clive Owen, who, interestingly enough, Clive Owen played the role of Dan. I read that. It, I read that earlier today, too, right yeah. before we met up. Uh, he played the role of Dan in the original production of the play. Yeah. And I was like, now that's... What a nice turnaround for That's him. pretty interesting, because... Mm-hmm. I would feel like Clive Owen is a big man. He's like a man's man. He's a huge yeah. man. And that plays into Larry's kind of 
caveman uh brutish nature in this in this movie like he's a really yeah. likable guy mm-hmm. and the way he treats um anna julia roberts is very sweet with dignity and respect yeah mm-hmm. and he's actually very nice and when but when he is when he is confronted with something you see him like literally switch something on as an actor and as a character switch something on where he just becomes like primitive Mm-hmm. And he's just going for the gut and trying to hurt. And that's why, you know, him and Natalie Portman both got nominated for, um, I think they both won supporting actor role uh, at Golden Globes. Okay. And were both nominated for, for supporting Oscars. actors for Oscars uh, because of that scene in the strip club where he has completely, he's no longer like the dignified, well-spoken. Mm-hmm. It's more of like the first time we see him when he's on the computer and just like in this sex chat room, like that's when we get introduced to this character mm-hmm. is like trying to have sex with a woman over the computer mm-hmm. in like the early aughts, like the early stages of the internet. While at work. While at work. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he closes the door, like brings down the blinds. Oh, it's absolutely disgusting. But it's great to see that scene and get that introduction to him and you still like him more than you like Dan. You really do. In that scene. And that's why I love them together because mm-hmm. both of them are very like don't get me wrong, Dan is in no way a good guy, but every time I watch this movie, and I've seen this movie tons and tons of times, mm-hmm. Larry is the villain, in my opinion, because he's the one, when these characters are thrown into situations, Dan's a coward, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it speaks to, like, when he says that line, this'll hurt. Yeah. He's getting her ready, even though he's done despicable things and he's a complete asshole and just a turd of a human being. Mm -hmm. He genuinely does care about Alice's feelings, Mm -hmm. but he cares about himself more because he's selfish. He even asked him, why are you doing this? Because I'm selfish. Yeah. And, but Larry, when Larry is in a situation, how Larry talks to Dan at the end of the movie, where he's just like, I won. I got her. And he's like going about his business, just like doing like setting up meetings and everything. And he's like, yeah. I won. I got her back. And I didn't, I, I found Alice. You can have her back. I saw her naked. I did not sleep with her. So you can have her back. And then Dan like warms up and he's, he's like, Oh, thank you so much. Like I, you're a good guy. You're he's a really a, good guy. Thank you for being so kind. Thank you for being so kind. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's just like, person. you know what? Before you go, I, I did her. fuck Alice. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's what ends up breaking them apart at the end when you mm-hmm. think it's going to be a happy ending. It's that little knowing. And the knowing is what is so important in all of these scenes mm-hmm. that we see with them. It's people want to know. They want to torture themselves with the it's knowledge true. because the torture of not knowing is even harder. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> Something that really strikes me about this film and why it is so powerful is I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of action movies, but I'm much more a fan of dialogue and the response to action. I don't need to see the cheating. I don't need to see the acts of adultery. I'm more interested in seeing how they react. To, oh, the, absolutely. to that adultery. And this is what this movie is. We know is. why there's no they're action. having sex. It's right. because like, there's a natural... The actors, all the actors in this too, all four of them are like, they have such chemistry between each other. They really It's do. crazy that they were all fairly well-known actors. I think Clive Owen was really the only one that wasn't that well-known. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clive Owen was of Born Identity fame. 
this... Jude Law was of Enemy at the Gates fame. Mm-hmm. Natalie Portman was of Mars Attacks fame. <laughs> Julia Roberts, who can forget her turn as Tinkerbell and Hook? You know, they were famous by 2004. Um, yeah. And but they they their chemistry between each other like as soon as you see Dan and Alice fall in love you're like this is kind of cute mm-hmm. and the very next thing you see is Dan has transformed into this cigarette smoking mm-hmm. jovial dick he's not wearing his glasses anymore because Alice didn't like the glasses right like she was kind of like let me see the glasses she took them off and like put them back on I think she was just cleaning them she was She's just, just cleaning them she wanted to become very intimate with him very quickly right. And not to say that Dan has redeemed... I mean, Dan does have redeemable qualities, for sure. Um, But I think Dan took what he learned from Alice. Um, I would like to believe... You don't see a lot of Dan... um, You don't see a lot of his faults at the beginning of the film, other than the fact that he is very close... He cuts off his crust. It's disgusting. Um, Very close with a stranger while he is currently in a relationship. Yes. And I think that is his, like, one downfall at the beginning. But other than that, I feel like he's a pretty likable guy. Yeah, he who takes doesn't a really... stranger to the hospital. Yeah. Someone he hasn't spoken a single word to. He takes her to the hospital. Mm-hmm. He gets her coffee. Mm-hmm. Can I put your leg up? Shows mm-hmm. her London. Exactly. I think he um, probably didn't have a lot of self-confidence until Alice came along. Mm-hmm. Until a total stranger, who he see, saw as, like, very edgy... Um, kind of take an interest in him. Mm-hmm. And I think that gave him the bravado to be how he is in that second scene when you see him with Anna. Yeah. And they all have... Because Anna has... Uh... No, she's not married. She's, she's uh, separated. recently separated. Mm-hmm. And Clive Owen, we don't get anything from Larry. What Larry was involved in when we first meet him. Not even a little bit. Which no. is a great introduction, too. I love characters that are main characters in movies that don't show up until about 20 minutes into the movie. Because mm-hmm. you just... Waiting for Clive Owen to show up as Larry, the dermatologist. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, real quick, uh, just in case we don't get to it later. Yeah. Uh, having a dermatologist in a strip club, <laughs> that's amazing. That's a great idea. Yeah. And it's just like a place where it's all about showing skin. And you're, I don't have to explain it. It's amazing for the, its own reason. Sorry. <laughs> right. And it's, uh, I really, uh, I've never really noticed the, uh, the, irony there of Mm -hmm. his character i always figured in my youth that him being a dermatologist was uh pretty much that he's a doctor and that he's uh he's uh, a studier of the human condition and he says that too and he's he's jovial about that like that he's he can and he really can though because he he when he walks in and anna's gonna break up with him he immediately tells that something's going on Mm -hmm. i was like why are you dressed well, he also had a secret as well. He did, but, yeah, which is a great turnaround on that, uh, too. I forget about that every single mm-hmm. time, and because he, he shows up dressed as well. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be in my nightgown while I did this. And you're like, man, he really knows that she's about to break up with him. Mm-hmm. And then just, er, I slept with someone. A whore. A whore. Because Larry is a shitty little villain man. Recently married. Recently uh, married. So is she. So. I've returned home to my wife. Oh my. I want to remember this moment. The first time I return home from banging a whore in New York City and come home to my beautiful wife. Like, what an asshole. Yeah. He had a whole plane ride and a taxi cab to think about what the first thing he was going to say was going to be. Like, was he trying to lighten the mood there? Uh, I think he became too self-involved returning home. And again, I guess he's... 
there's a saving grace with Larry in that too because she says why because she's been cheating on him for a year yeah. and she's been lying about it and he couldn't even stand to be in a room with her for an hour without being like I gotta tell you yeah and so I guess that's again like all of these characters have their faults and they have their their redemptive qualities that go along with those faults but at the same time too like like Anna's character is a little weird for me to like really kind of get my head around. Interesting. Like she's a photographer. Like mm-hmm. all of their jobs are kind of uh, reminiscent of how they react to things or rather how they interpret situations of honesty and everything like that. You know? Well, yeah, all of their professions because Dan's an obit writer, mm-hmm. writes about other people's lives. Alice being a stripper directly is involved in sadness and, and just lying, lying, and all telling the time. people, making people love you, mm-hmm. while not being honest about it yourself. Yeah. And then dermatologist and photographer. Yeah, they all deal with deception with their fellow humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. when we first see Julia Roberts, uh, who doesn't get enough play in this. Like everybody says, Clive Owen and Natalie Portman are so good in this movie. I really like Jude Law and Julia Roberts in this. Like they, I think all of them are. Great. All of them are fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only two other uh, credited actors yeah. in this movie: the cab the, driver, the cab driver, and the customs officer. At the end. All in the fifteen last fifteen minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's really crazy that nobody else has a speaking line. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's yeah. why they credit them in acting. Yeah. If you have a speaking line, you get more money. Right. Fun tip. Or fact, it's not a tip. Uh, thanks, Blind. <laughs> Unless you um, want to take it as a tip. Dumb and Dumber. Yes. Segway, uh, in the film Dumb and Dumber, when Jim Carrey comes out of a gas station, and mm-hmm. remember, there's that line, big gulps, huh? Cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, see you later. That is because the, the, the two actors that he's talking to, the background characters, were told not to say anything, because if you say something, you get paid more. Mm-hmm. And Jim Carrey, this is what I've heard, when he came out there, he was trying to get them to say something so that he could make some more, they could make some more money. And that's why he gives them that break. Aww. And then he's just like, okay, see you later. Just keep <laughs> Mr. walking. Chance. Don't know if that's true, but a very drunk person at a bar told me that once. Okay. And I think it's adorable that Jim Carrey would try and do that. Well, I really like Jim Carrey. So I will take this and put it in the bank and just give it another he's reason good to dude. love Jim Carrey. If Jim Carrey were to be in Closer, which part do you think he should play? I'm going with Anna. <laughs> you went way off. The cab driver. The cab driver. Ah, damn it. No, I think he would probably make a really good Dan. I think he just has the pathos to really play that mm-hmm. character. He's also tall, well. though, so he'd, he'd be able to be the, the manly Larry. That's true. That's mm. true. I thought it was interesting earlier where you say Larry is the villain of the film, mm-hmm. because I think Anna is the villain of the film. Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. Really? I do. I think it's because out of all of them, and it's because we don't get Larry backstory, mm-hmm. I think out of all of them, I think she understands the world the best and has the most level head. Granted, Dan is the because chink in her armor. Because um, I think just because she comes off as older. Um, when She's definitely the most mature of all of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's during the exhibition scene where... Anna asks Larry, oh, well, Larry says, I've met Alice. And she says, do you fancy her? And he said, of course, but I fancy you more. She says, why? He says, because you're a woman mm-hmm. and she's a girl. And I think maybe she is weaker than she is letting on, but I think she is probably the one who has the most reason and the easiest chances to escape the situation, mm-hmm. but she lets it play out for what it is. But she's also kind of a victim in that sense too, where Dan is unrelenting. He just won't. He not really, yeah, he won't stop. It's, but also at the same time, and there is this moment 
that is, I, I, I feel like right when you're like, all right, dude, like, let's back off, like, chill mm-hmm. out. She gives this little, um, I, I think like the moment where you're like, that's a little creepy is when he pretends to be her in the chat room. Mm-hmm. And that's just creepy in itself. But when she finds out about it, that makes it even creepier. But she's like laughing about it as if it's like this little joke that they both played. Like that, right. like she loaded Dan's gun and he pulled the trigger. Like she gave him the ammunition she needed to be able to do that. And she's also, it's not lost on her that it's insanely ironic that he would, you know, in his misery of not being able to attain her, would end up making her attainable to somebody that she actually genuinely is interested in. Oh, definitely. But she even says, uh, when Larry says, uh, he asks her right before he gives her the dolphin balloon, which is very cute. Yeah, it is. It's very cute. And mm-hmm. Clive Owen it, it steals the hearts of every single person that sees him walk up with that dolphin balloon. Oh, for sure. Um, she, he says, uh, he, I think he says, uh, it's, it's, it's a uh, reversal of what happens later on at the exhibition. Clive Owen says, do you fancy Dan? And it's like, this guy... Like, do you, do you like him or something? And she says something like, it's not about liking him, it's I find him interesting. Right. Or fascinating or something like right. that where it's, she's she's kind of like, you're right there, kind of, you're, I'm what I'm trying to say is I get where you're coming from about Anna maybe letting on being a little bit weaker than she maybe considers herself to be, but also maybe being a little bit stronger than she's letting on depending on mm-hmm. who's in the room. Because when she's with Dan, she's like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Right. But when Dan's not around, she's kind of uh, protective of him. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she's like, oh, leave him alone. Like, uh, this is a lot for him to handle. Right. And it's like, you're talking to your, this is your boyfriend. Like, four months, you're at your art show, and this dude showed up. And you've got a picture of the girl that he's in a relationship with. That's a picture of her after you said that you guys were thinking about Meeting up. Meeting up. Like, it's all these hypocrisies. And I think that maybe maybe Anna, because she is the one that fancies herself the most mature, and because her actions seem the most mature, that makes her the biggest hypocrite of them all. I think so. So Right. From that point, I totally understand that. And she that is diabolical in that way. But I also don't think, like, in hypocrisy that there's intent... I know that she does a lot of really messed up stuff Mm -hmm. in this movie and that she's at the core of a lot of these big breakups and endings. But Larry is just so mean. Larry's manipulative and he he knows You don't ask about bodily fluid. You don't do that. But it's because because this... uh, And the one thing the movie really has going for it for the quick tete-a-tete of the dialogue and reading the play, I read a little bit of the play, the dialogue is fast. It is fast. It is like, there is like uh, an ironic quip or like mm-hmm. a fanciful gesture. There's a lot of wit just constantly going forth in it. And I guess you would need that if you want people to kind of like believably fall in love the first time they meet each other. Mm-hmm. And the, um, sorry, Ooh, wine. Wine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the idea of how the dialogue going back and forth between these people, the brutality that it turns into. It goes from super cute to brutal, depending on what they're trying to back up. Mm-hmm. You know, so when Clive Owen shows up and he's like the greatest husband in the world, <laughs> he's so, so nice and yeah. sweet and loving and complimentary and just like, just 
how are you constantly asking her how she's doing, which is very important. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he finds out that some, that he has been cheated to, that he has been lied to, that he has been had, mm-hmm. he is like, where? Right. There. There. We had our, and he becomes just the way he talks. Like we had our first fuck on here. Yeah. On this very couch. Did you think of me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, what's he taste like? Which when you hear that, you're like, what are you doing? Because he's so obsessed with knowing every single detail. And it's really sad that he ends up passing that disease in a way onto Dan mm-hmm. with just one sentence oh, at the end that like, he's got, he's got Anna. He yeah. got Anna back. They're, they're going to be together regardless of how healthy it are. is or whatever. Yeah. He's got her back and he's giving Alice back to Dan because he knows genuinely Alice does miss Dan and wants to be with him. Right. And he just, he poisons it. And Dan echoes Larry from that scene at the end. He's just like, just keep talking to me about it. But in his own Dan way where he's not too, he's not as brutal, but he's still unforgiving and unflinching. Like, tell me, I want to know. To the point where he just like gets up and walks out. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go get cigarettes at the terminal. You know, <laughs> no place is open, but I'm going to the terminal. And realizes before he even gets out of the building, he's like, "That was a mistake. What right. am I doing?" By the time he gets back, done. Well, yeah, this movie is all about levels of self-preservation mm. and being hyper aware of the situation and getting pushed to the point where you're no longer dignified, but that you resort to, as you said earlier, Larry's kind of like the brute man, and he even says that in that scene, asking mm-hmm. Anna about the sex. He said, she said, why is the sex so important to you? And he says, because I'm a caveman. They go back yep. to these base needs. And it's Alice, and, Alice asks Dan, uh, why is the truth so important to you? Right. And they, like, because or why did the, you test me like that? Yeah, and he's like, because it's everything. It matters to me. I'm addicted to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, Larry... In a very like in a very broad broad strokes like paying attention to every single thing these characters say between Larry and Dan is you build on them more and you get to understand where their character is coming from. But at the end of the day, um, Dan's obsession with truth being like you know like uh, he says before, lying is the currency of the world, mm-hmm. and we find out like and and all of a sudden he starts saying that truth is like this very important thing at the end he's just being a hypocrite and Alice is like completely seeing through all this and Larry is obsessed with the sex Dan is obsessed with the feelings the truth of the flesh versus the truth of the mind right Right. and Dan as a writer Mm -hmm. you know is obsessed with like where did these acts come from and Larry, as a doctor, is more the physical. Like, right. what did you do? Where did you do it? Did mm-hmm. you come? How many times? Mm-hmm. Why? How? How? Right. Like that's then. and it's mm-hmm. and that's why Clive Owen gets uh, they like he gets so much praise for this. But if it wasn't for that rapport between him and Julia Roberts in their apartment of like just going back and forth, I'd love to see this play. Oh, I would too. I would really I would love, love to see, to see how it. it would be done. This is like if you had like five time travels. Yeah. You know. I mean, this play is I long. would just be go, go see Indiana Jones 1, go see Indiana Jones 2, go see Indiana Jones 3. Go see Closer. Probably go see Indiana Jones 1 again and go see Closer. It'd probably be that. That's what I'm wasting it on. It's my time traveling machine. I That's can do true. whatever I want. Exactly. Um, yeah, with, with Larry being so in control, it really does seem like he has... A better understanding, but I think he has the least understanding, I believe, really of is. who he is as a person. Alice, Alice calls him out on that, too, at the and strip club. He says, mm-hmm. what about my feelings? Like, I'm being honest about my feelings, feelings. to you. And she's like, your feelings? feelings? Like, what are you? 
talking about? Like, you just, you want to fuck me as some kind of revenge thing. Yeah, she said, I will not be your revenge. Yeah, and it's just like, that's that's obviously what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And I really don't... They did. I believe they did. Because Alice... They both confirm it. They both confirm it. You can't trust. And I don't think Alice Larry, would. But Alice, I, don't I feel think she like would her agree to it if she didn't. But do it was kind of like past the point of no return there, where she's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, well, and to be true, like, and she does say it in a very odd way too. She's like, "She, he fucked me all night long." Right. Like, but no, he didn't. Moment, but yeah. like, yeah. Um. I wonder actually. I've never thought about that. I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe she was just like, "You can't even take that." Like, well, you cheated on me. With right. Anna for a whole year. You can't right. take one night where we weren't even together. Yeah, he even says why. And she says you weren't there. Yeah. And it's true. Dan has no reason to be upset about it other than the fact that she was possibly lying to him. But a good thing to think about would be he is confessing how important the truth is to him at the moment. And she's four years deep in a lie about her very own name and right. her very own Jane persona. Jones. So maybe Jane Rachel Jones. Jane Rachel Jones. Mm. So maybe she really did see it as like, well, I need to get out because if the truth is so important to him, what will my name do to this relationship? What about finding out who I am? At and that so point, you never know. Maybe she did. And there's something special to too, like false. that she gives Larry her real name. That's one of the best moments. That's some in good that stuff, film. man. You're you're just like because you my think name she's is lying Jane. too. Yeah, and he's getting pissed. Him too, and looking up at like the supposed camera in the scene, and like, well, I don't think that I will be touching. Like, right. I'm just uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like just completely. Uh, I was talking to a buddy about this, and they said something. They said something about how when they're in the strip club. Uh, it's funny how. She said that uh, when when they're in the strip club. Natalie Portman's character is stripping and exposing herself and her skin repetitively all, all over. Like she, we, the scene starts out, she's naked. She put clothes back on. Correct. Francie's around for a little bit. Not and the then, immediate scene that we see her in, in the strip club. She's just sitting there. Originally. Yes. Right. And right. then she's only stripping for Larry. Yes. Only for Larry. And Larry is actually just completely just exposed mm-hmm. emotionally. Like, he is just completely, like, she is this little tiny girl that is just naked. Mm-hmm. And she is, like, ten times as confident and as strong as this daunting, the huge man that we have seen just get mad. Oh, of course. And I love, too, the, uh, the idea of, like, Larry saying, like, were you afraid that I'd hit you? Because he's so daunting, because he's such a caveman, and that they both understand that. Because we find out that Julia Roberts is actually the the sexual encounters that the sex that her and Larry have together can sometimes be very demeaning to her and yes. make and she feels like a whore. And um, it can be a little rough. And to have he doesn't he doesn't do it. He doesn't hit her, he doesn't no. strike her, he doesn't grab her, he doesn't touch her. He's actually very contained. After he's finding very that out, emotional. Which is the very exact impressive. opposite of what he cares about her doing, he cares about the physicality of it. Right. But he doesn't get physical. He gets, with uh, and no pun intended or pun intended, surgical precision gets in there. Right. And finds out exactly. And he's just, I want to hear exactly what I want. And it's he tastes like you only sweeter. And he goes, good. 
That's what I wanted. Thank you for your Thank honesty. Thank you for honesty. Now fuck off and die. Fuck off, you slag. Slag. He calls yeah. her a slag. Ooh. A lot of fun. Uh, I love that word. A w- there's a word that I heard today when I rewatched it uh, that I'm... Waif? Yes. What's a waif? I believe a waif is someone that is seen as weak. Okay, that, that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Look I, it up. I think so. Yeah. I, think I heard waif and I was like, wait, does waif mean what I think it means? I think it's someone who's sickly, almost. Okay. Physically. All right. Because, I could be wrong. Because uh, Natalie Portman says uh, she calls herself a waif. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alice calls herself a waif outside the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Maybe that means... Because she's smoking a cigarette? Maybe it's a little bit more... Because it's about where she's staying. And he's a, she, right. he asks her, where are you so staying? Weird. She says, I'm a waif. So I think maybe it's just a wanderer as well. Oh. I don't know. Maybe I'm taking it... I'm not exactly sure, but yeah. at least I'm being honest about knowing. <laughs> I was like, "What is that word? I'm not. I'm not familiar with that." For a film about language, I know what a slag is. is. <laughs> I, I get that. I, I can. I get where he's coming from with that one. Right. Right. Um, Take it in context. Yeah, and then, but then, uh, getting back to that, like he doesn't. Larry doesn't. Doesn't strike Anna. No. And then Alice to Dan at the end when they have their very similar uh, argument is just like, "What are you gonna do? Hit me? Like, is that what you want to do? You want to hit me?" Mm-hmm. And gets Dan, who has always been this more emotional um, character, hits her. Hits in this very, the slow motion of it is so cheesy and over the top from when you first look at it. But I think that after watching it a couple times, it's more about the look on Natalie Portman's face, on Alice's face, where mm-hmm. you can tell this has happened to her before. Yeah, This is nothing new to her. She is not surprised in the least that a man that she loves or cares about very much will physically abuse just her. hit her across the face. Mm-hmm. But Anna also claims to have been hit in the past, and that's why she right. braces herself. Yeah, I agree with you. I will say there are a few moments I've been in this hit film, before, and Julie Roberts says that too. Yeah, not by me. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are a few moments like what you say—the slow motion hit, the slow motion slap that are a little overly cheesy. Like the moment where you because see of the, Larry, the execution, yeah, yeah. Like, the moment where you see Larry finally like down on his luck, entering the strip club is the first time and the only time you see him with some scruff. Oh yeah. The moment when Dan comes to visit Larry to ask about Anna, he's got some scruff. It's it's rained. It's raining. I'm and, wet. And he's sad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's chilled to the bone. But mm-hmm. other than that, yeah, this film typically strays away mm-hmm. from those types of conventions. Well, so. it it there is a very uh, corny little moment that uh, I wrote down in my notes here, but then I started thinking about it a little bit more. Uh, when Larry meets up with Anna to do the divorce papers, mm-hmm. and he puts his hand on her hand, he's wearing his wedding ring. Yes, he is. And so at first I'm like, yeah, I'm sure, dude. You're wearing your wedding ring. But did he actually just put that on for that moment? I think he's wearing it in the strip club as well. Is he? I think okay. so. Yeah, that's like that's something I was like, is he like manipulating her right now? Like trying to get that because like that's all he goes there for. Though, Everything's yeah. a whole manipulation. Yeah, and that's they talk. They they say uh, you know all the taglines for this movie really kind of go around the idea of um, you know if you believe in love at first sight, you never stop looking. You know, like <laughs> right. uh, corny stuff like that. Right. But it might be a little bit of a. hyperbole to say that the movie is constantly trying to like say the exact same thing with every single scene. And that's obviously not true, but mainly they're pretty much 
every scene has got to do with um, familiarity. Mm-hmm. And, and the progression of a lie. Right. And the further you get into a relationship with somebody, the more uh, familiarity you have, the more old jokes you have. Oh, definitely. You know, the, the strange familiarity that you usually get with, like, good friends and knowing each other, being close. Yes. Um, and those are the things that give other people the ammunition to either love you as best as they can, but also to hurt, hurt you. you. Because they understand your insecurities. They understand mm-hmm. what makes you tick. Exactly. And that's why I think the movie is really special in that the people, nobody's perfect. Everybody, you know, even in the scene where, like, probably the most aggressive scene in the movie is Larry yelling at Anna about Anna cheating on him. When he literally just told her that he cheated on her with a whore. Something that meant nothing. Anna is actually, like, willing to leave her husband for Dan. Right. However misguided or misplaced that might be, that's Anna's choice. Right. She actually has feelings for Dan, whatever they are. Larry just, like, banged a, a whore in New York City, which I'm not a big whore guy. <laughs> I don't really know how they work from coast to coast. I'd imagine New York City whore. No offense. Well, no offense to New York City whores <laughs> out there. Like... Do what you gotta do. Right. Keep on keeping on. Stay happy. I hope you're good. But well, like, I feel like, what is he doing over there? I is it because it's exotic to Europeans? Po- possibly. I think uh. the difference is that he goes and stays in a hotel that is famously known for employing whores. Like all of the wait, is that a thing? All of the hotel staff. When he gets back and he's explaining to Anna, did you know all of the hotel staff are also whores? Oh, that's and right. And she's like, everyone knows that. But he, <laughs> but, but he went into it not knowing it. Which even better emphasizes the parallel. That That's right. He does like, just kind of like lead that up right there. Of him saying like, I had no idea I was getting myself in the situation. I felt a temptation. Whereas Anna has known full well mm-hmm. the temptation and she's fully given into it and she's been giving into it for a year. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like a good juxtaposition of the two incidents of cheating. Um, not to say that Larry should be given a free pass by any means, mm-hmm. but yeah, just kind of shows their levels of severity on the damage that could be done. Right, like the it's the whole movie sexual politics, mm-hmm. and really them the fact that they're in relationships just kind of adds like an extra like kind of edge to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like this very well could have been you know none of them could have been in relationships with right. one another and just kind of sleeping around in this kind of, like, free love culture. And you could still pretty much get, like, the reactions because nobody is really being wronged without wronging the other throughout the whole movie. Like, they're constantly fucking each other over. I mean, except for Alice and her her main lie is my identity. But I feel like she's the only one who's loyal to a fault. She She really is, actually. She would never leave someone that she's still in love with. Mm -hmm. And that last scene, too, of her walking down New York City and just getting, like, that gaze from all those people. And to this day, I still wonder if all of those guys are actors. Or or if they're actually just having Natalie Portman, who's beautiful, just walking down. Yeah. A street and just like all these guys just like, like the bounciest eh, walk baby. I've ever seen. <laughs> You're just like, stop. Yeah, she is walking like. She's like she's, super bouncy. Yeah, she's got it. It's like she's flying. Like one of her straps almost like, falls down. Yeah, and her arms, like she's like, she's not like tucking her arms it's in at all. She's walk. like, here we go. Yeah, it's just that. It's how a person walks, but it's in <laughs> slow motion. So everything seems a little bit more extravagant. Right. The, uh,. I was going to say the language that you had brought up earlier with Larry putting his hand on Anna's hand when he's going 
to potentially sign the divorce papers. Mm -hmm. And he puts his hand on top of her hand. And she says, please give me my hand back. And it was very much so, like, physically, but also mentally. And in this union. Um, Absolutely. So much great wordplay in this film. Would Um, you like some more wine? Oh, yes, please. Uh, Yes, of course. One of my favorite lines in the film is when you first meet Anna, and she's having that interaction with Dan. And he asks about the book. And she says, yes, I've read it. I stayed up till four. And he said, well, how did, did you like it? And she's starting to see like, oh, this is getting cheeky. She said, I did, but I could go off it. Mm -hmm. She doesn't say, I could stop reading it. Mm -hmm. She says, I could go off it. So there's so much like sexual wordplay. There really is. Yeah. yeah. And that's again with the dialogue, like a Mm -hmm. huge props to uh, Patrick Marber. Mm -hmm. The dialogue in this, you know, whether you're into the style that this movie is or the play, the story, the ideas that it's trying to talk about, it's execution, you know, whether or not you think Mike Nichols uh, is a hack after 1987. I get it. I get it. Angels in America. I wasn't really into it, but like, it's very sweet. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, this seems like an offshoot for him. You can't. So it's really, honestly, actually, no, I I think it's a huge return to form for him because he really, he got, he got, he sharpened his teeth with, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is mm-hmm. another adaptation of a, of a classic play yes. about relationships and betrayal and knowing one another and being able to really get at each other. And Carnal Knowledge is very much about uh, ownership after ownership as far as friendship and relationships and how um, best friends uh, and relationships between those best friends can start messing with uh, the relationships and the, the mind of the person as a whole people. way on into uh, middle age, like something True. that happens a long time ago. It festers, it sits. And um, then he just did like, you know, Mike Nichols just did, you know, the graduate as well. Oh, that's true. You know, he's got like, there's a little bit of that, that, that scathing idea, like that almost like negative outlook on relationships. Like they're, they're just this like well, doomed thing. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, there's, there's so much that comes, um, in the same bag as the metaphorical bag of a relationship. Mm-hmm. There's so much that comes in that, uh, with on top of the love and the trust, like in, in order to love someone, you really need to get to know them in order to trust someone. You really need to get to know them. You need to, and they need to get to know you. And there is this kind of, uh, there's this game that's being played where it's like, we could really fuck each other over at any point right now, but it's because you love one another so much that you don't. Maybe closer. These characters are, they're more in love with the next thing. They're more in love with themselves than anyone else. They're in love, they're in love with, with the, the idea. Reaction. Yeah, the, they're in love with the idea of falling in love, of being in love. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't even really know what love is. Honestly, at certain points, it feels like they're all broken people. You know, uh, like uh, Jude Law. Like Dan is in a bad relationship when we first see him. He has to be. I, you would you would hope so, but then seeing his actions later on in the film you kind of wonder if maybe yeah. that one was fine that's true. too you're very right yeah it's because when anna finally gets the divorce paper signed and they meet up um they kind of cheers to it and he says you're a divorcee double divorcee yeah and, she and then all of a sudden too, both like, of them uh, are really kind of not having fun anymore yeah. like it was like to get to that point that was the end it's goal the reality of it yeah mm-hmm. and it, i mean like oh his little picky nitty 
fucking douchey shit in that it makes me so like it's it's the one part where he really does he's the most despicable in the movie to me mm-hmm. is um you know where anna has uh come from the meeting with larry to get the divorce paper signed and this is a huge day for her like this right. is trying to she's separate herself her from something him. that has been haunting her for a while and she's late and he's kind of does like this kind of haphazard like man what happened and all this different stuff and then goes in and he's trying to act super cool and be like the charming Jude Law of the early aughts that we have all come to know and love. Mm-hmm. You know, the sky captain of the world of tomorrow <laughs> that we all love uh, with a full head of hair. Yes. Um, going into, and then when they go into the bar, you know, he knows her drink of vodka tonic and he gets a Guinness and while he's, while they're just like doing this kind of celebratory thing for her, he's just like, how was he? Was he mopey? Mm-hmm. Oh, was he sad because Big Dan won? Mm-hmm. Like he's making it about himself. Of course. When Anna is like, you know, she wants to tell him too, like, oh, this just happened. Yeah. She's struggling. Right. Because she's already been through this one time before mm-hmm. with, uh, with Larry and she doesn't want to do that again. She doesn't want right. to let too much time pass. She's like, right immediately after find the right thing to say, and then he drops that double divorcee thing, and it's just like... Mm-hmm. And that's even better when Larry says, uh, and he's just like, you like that joke? Here's another one. She never sent a divorce <laughs> papers in. Ooh, yeah. It's like, ooh. Like, uh, he's just already wet from the rain, dude. Relax. Give him a break. Uh, he can't. Unrelenting. He's Yeah, he's a yeah. mean little... Uh, he's a mean guy. Yeah, I think that's when I feel the worst for Anna is in that scene during the opera. And just seeing her face and knowing that. And she even says to him afterwards, after he finds out, after he realizes that they slept together, she said, don't let your love fade away from me. Keep loving me. Don't stop. I can see it draining from your eyes. I can see it draining from you. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the most heartbreaking scene for her. And uh, that, you don't really and it see comes, her a lot. Yeah, it comes right after that whole little trivia tete-a-tete that they do where it's like they're 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 quizzing each other on their first day mm-hmm. how many stitches did i get oh that what? is later on that's later talking, on yeah yeah i was talking about the anna scene oh where the, he, oh right where she says to dan like the whole reason she's fucked up her life and he's just so pissed about the fact that they slept together to get him to sign the divorce papers and she said i can see it fading from you mm-hmm. like don't don't make this about you but of mm-hmm. course he does yeah, They're all it's, very but that's uh, sorry I got confused with that because oh, no, it's, very, I, it's very it's uh, very that's again like it's all of these different scenes are mirroring each other in they some really way where are. everybody is kind of you know they're they're on top in a way but then on the bottom in the next one oh it's a sexual innuendo that's mm-hmm. that's funny <laughs> um, but yeah like at the the end with uh, Dan and Alice quizzing each other on like their first encounter their uh, first encounter their first day together how many stitches did I get. What was in my sandwich? Mm-hmm. What color were the chairs? And she tries trick to trick question. them. Yeah, trick question. It's like, it's very sweet. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Dan's got to drop something. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, dude, just... Just let it be. Just let it be. Just stop. Like, they're so happy. There is no better way to show how in love with someone, someone else is, whether it's a sexual love or a friendship love, than have one tickling the other. Yeah. Like, you're just like... Like, and not stopping them. Like, stop, 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 stop. Like, it's like, there. T- it's a lot. It takes a lot to have, to let somebody tickle you. Mm-hmm. And to see that 
is just very sweet. Yeah, it's very and endearing. Then, yeah, and then to have them kind of calling back to distant memories from the beginning of the movie where we were first introduced to the rules of this movie mm-hmm. and everything, to get to see and remember along with them. And like, oh, I know the answer to that. And all. it was a very sweet, mm-hmm. cute meet. And it's very sweet. And then to just have that just completely dissolve. Yeah. Because of just not being able to let go of something that, you know, technically Dan didn't even know if it was true or not. Yeah. Well, yeah, sadly, I guess it just shows Alice's innocence um, in a way, like her she introduction to the is world. She's very patient with all that, Because too. during the scene where they're in the strip club and it's Alice and Larry, he does say something about, like, 20 years ago. And he said, how old were you then? And she said, four. Yeah. So she's only 24 at the final end of this film. So that means she was 20 when she met Dan, when she mm-hmm. first came to England. Um, but, yeah, to hear her repeat it to Dan a couple times, saying... Why can't you let me love you? Why can't love be enough? Yeah. And a genuine love, the love should be enough. But with Dan, it's just not. He just, yeah, as you said, keeps with, picking with at it. With these people, yeah. With, Alice with is really just them, caught up. Alice. She's caught up in these in these people. Mm-hmm. And she's got a very good outlook. And you can tell that she was, like, super hurt mm-hmm. um, before. Uh, mainly in, when she talks about uh, at Anna's exhibition... She's talking to Larry about all the pictures and like, they're beautiful, right? And she's like, no, 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 they're not. It's a lie. And she really breaks down um, the early uh, modern art, like that was still blowing away from the 90s of specifically photography of Mm -hmm. just like, just because you've taken a picture of something and and made it big and uh, thrown it up on these dark walls and you've got wine and cheese over here. That doesn't make it beautiful. It's... It's still just a picture of a person who's sad. Mm-hmm. And that's insanely insightful for someone who, first off, is not an artist that we know of. Like, that's a right. very good, uh, that's a very astute observation of a certain medium of art. And she's just a, she's just a very smart girl. She is. And she's very bright. And she, know, she knows, she's very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I mean, able, but like tactful too. Like she knows as soon as she sees Larry, she knows how to talk to this motherfucker. Oh yeah. Like she knows like what's going on. She doesn't know who he is because even Dan doesn't know who Larry is. And she's just like, she gives a very honest response to the art. And then he says, I'm the artist's boyfriend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Alice probably knows. Oh, she does. Yeah. She definitely knows who Anna is. So and also too, like cheers to Alice for going to that. Right exhibition. Like she didn't have to. Like after all that stuff and like having a picture of her and they're just talking in front of a picture of her like crying Mm -hmm. about realizing that the photographer just cheated on her. Or just engaged in cheating. Just engaged in cheating with the guy that she's there with who's now talking to her over there. In her ear. (sighs) These people are messed up, man. Yes, they are. Um, Yeah, I, I don't speak from experience. But yeah, I think probably Alice's career or choice of profession as a stripper, she lives in the world where people project their own insecurities onto her. Mm -hmm. So I think that probably gave her a lot of insight into just, she is seen as art to all of her customers. So getting completely gazed upon all the time, just gazing onto a photo of her is just another level Mm -hmm. for her. It's not necessarily new. Um, That's really good. And people probably don't see that she's so sad when she's stripping. Because she kind of gains strength from that. But Mm -hmm. the photograph definitely stripped her down. Yeah. 
That's yeah. awesome. That's really good. Yeah, that's very that's very true. That and that plays into too what she says um, to Larry uh, later on in the strip club about the lying. Mm-hmm. Like the li- lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off, but it's still more fun if you do. Yeah. And it's just this. It's like this joke that she says that starts off as this kind of darkly affirming comments on like how like first off it's women in general she's mm-hmm. talking about women and lying and that it's fun for them to do it and it's the most fun they can have without doing the other thing that most uh, despicable people would think is the most fun right a person can have which is sex and immediately switches it around back to the beginning where it's like but it's more fun if you do right. and you can just see like she knows how to play with these people and that that comes from she's kind of she's the youngest and maybe the most inexperienced but through stripping and the escape from that world and going to london um she's a little bit more clever mm-hmm. she's very she's more clever whereas the all the other ones all the other people are they they fancy themselves really clever they of like course. like Dan especially thinks he's oh. so clever he thinks he's so good and uh, Anna too like sneaking around on each other you know mm-hmm. like that that whole idea of like uh craving something like where the like uh like craving an intimacy that you're not in like where I was thinking about this earlier like the grass it's not so much that the grass is greener mm-hmm. it's the grass is different right it's a different type of grass you know like larry has dan has nothing to offer anna that larry doesn't have i mean larry's got a job right dan like wrote a book that like just failed and he's still writing for an obituary and getting drunk with his dipshit friend harry who ends up (laughs) dying that's so sad they were like oh harry's got a drinking problem you know you can never have one with harry how'd he die oh he was an alcoholic and me, the love That's of his life, horrible. sat by his side for a week. That's horrible. Yeah. It's a little sad off-screen yeah. story. And it's, uh, like, for all its brutality, the movie really, it gives a raw look at, uh, it's like, um, it gives a raw look at grieving. Because mm-hmm. all of these characters are grieving in their own ways about their own, their own shit. Mm-hmm. They're really... And their own shortcomings. Right. And like, it's really about them. And Alice is also not innocent of that, but she's probably, you know, the the one that's dealing with it the most maturely. Oh, definitely. Where she's like, my shit is my shit. It's got nothing to do with you. You don't need to know about it. Yeah. And I think too. Like, you don't even need to know my name. Right. Yeah. I think too, that it shows these older characters, the other three, um, it shows how they've been conditioned to react to society. And the right answers and the right words to say. Because when Alice is first in Anna's apartment, and Anna asks, like, oh, I hear you're a waitress. Is that a temporary thing? Right. And Alice says, no. And of course, like, I think as we grow older, we're all told, like, you need to strive for more. You need to be looking forward to the next thing. And we're all conditioned to be like, oh, yeah, of course it's a temporary thing. Like, I'm looking for something else. But in the meantime, waitressing is fine. But Alice isn't weathered to that point yet. She hasn't been conditioned to respond in a certain way. I think she's living very truthfully. 
She's living in her own choices, and she's okay with that. Yeah. Whereas I think the rest of the characters aren't. And maybe Larry is to a certain extent, I think. But I think Larry's more comes from a a male, Yeah. I got this. Right. You like, know, like, he, he didn't luck into his job, he got that job. Yeah, like, yeah. he's, he's like, yeah. out of all of them, he's got, like, the best job. Yeah. As far as, like... Telling everybody, like, I'm successful because I'm a doctor. Right. You know, like, you could say, like, you could be a successful writer. You could be a successful photographer. You could be a successful stripper. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you say, like, I'm a, doctor. I'm a doctor, it doesn't even mean, you didn't even need to be a successful doctor. Just being a doctor, right. you're probably more successful than those other jobs. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think, too, when, um, just that, not the first scene, the second scene, where you see Anna's apartment. And just seeing how they interact with each other and how they respond to other people. Um, when Anna looks through her camera and sees Dan, and he says, am I a stranger? Mm. And he, she sees him through her camera while he says that. Just puts on this whole spin of, like, Anna doesn't fully really know how to connect to people unless they're yes. a subject of hers. Yeah, that's the metaphor of her being a photographer, you know, right. like... She doesn't take uh, portraits of landscapes. She takes yes. portraits of Like, uh, Larry is a doctor, so he looks at uh, human beings as very technical things to be able to break down. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alice is a stripper, so she looks at people like somebody's always playing a game. Somebody's always got just the right thing that they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's all about whether or not I want to I want to say it to them. Right. Or say it to them in a certain way that gets me what I want. Right. And Anna is a photographer, and she has a way of looking at people through a different lens and understanding little tiny physical things about them. Like, she, you know, she calls, she tells Dan that, like, you're a sloucher. Sit up. Right. You know, all these little tiny things. And um, and Dan is a writer and he's he's fantasy filled. He thinks that life is something that you can just write. That's yeah, why he they... literally just writes a book mm-hmm. about Her. this. The, the most exciting thing that's probably ever happened to him, which is meeting Alice, mm-hmm. because she's somebody that isn't self-obsessed, who isn't just trying to focus on herself and better herself. She's actually trying to get something that she didn't have before through Dan and by so and by doing that is giving Dan something that he's never had before. Right. But he ends up treating it just like shit. Well you have to wonder too because Dan getting his picture taken for the <laughs> book for Christ's sake. Like what are you it's, doing? It man? does not have to be sexually Let charged. The book come out. <laughs> You'll be famous. Well he wouldn't have been like no. that's um, in their first meeting, too, Dan and Alice's, um, he confesses to her that they write the obits while people are still living, if they're famous enough. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, you write them while they're still alive? And he said, yes. So they have to, like, go and dig in cold storage, which I find very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think maybe that's the moment when she decides to, like, oh, well, if he's going to be interested in me in the story that I can be to him, I'm going to go ahead and start making the story seem mm-hmm. very exciting and new. It would make sense if um, she would make that choice there too right. because she still hasn't revealed her name yet. Exactly. And she got her name literally off an obituary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Which I've read people speculate that the whole fact that Alice Ayers died saving three children, people said like, oh, her deciding to leave has saved all three of them. And I just, I don't... I don't think I really agree with that. I think none of them are saved. I mean, none of them are saved. Film. I guess the number kind of falls in there. Like, yeah. and from a writer's point of her. view, what are the odds of that? It probably was meant. Right. But I don't, I wouldn't say I don't like see it any saved connection. them. I mean. Number alone, but I don't know. 
we'll yeah. s- uh, we won't see. I was going to say, we'll see. I'm like, no, we won't. No, we that's won't. the end of that. That's the end of the movie. That's the end of the story, man. Right. This I, was this was from a time where I was like, you could just do a movie and like move on. Yeah. And it wasn't like, no, people want to see like, how grayer can these Fifty Shades get? They didn't <laughs> no. want that. They're too gray now. Have you seen those movies? No. I haven't either, but I really want to. Do you? I mean, there's something... Yeah, like, I think that, yeah, like, making a sandwich Maybe we in the should afternoon do, like, and watching, like, uh, just a watching... A funny overdrinkers for the, that series. Fifty Shades of Grey. And watch all three of them once they all come out. Oh, Jesus. And then be really shit-faced at the end. We'll do, like, a franchise uh, for when the third one, <laughs> the third and final installment in the Grey... Is that what it is? Is it called the Grey series? I'm not sure. It's got to be the Fifty Shades series, because it's Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades... Grayer? Darker? Darker? Okay. And then... Hmm. You can tell we're not fans of the series. (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs) Um, But yeah, also, you were saying just um, circumstantial of the fact that it was the number three, and that's where people are making this connection. I will say that I guess that's another reason why I see Anna as such a puppet master of all of the people involved in this story is because this movie is based on circumstance. Um, the fact that Dan and Alice meet is circumstance. The fact yes. that Anna happened to be at the aquarium when Dan mm-hmm. sent Larry up to go there. And yeah. I feel like all of the characters and when Larry goes to the strip club and Alice happens to be there. Yes. Um, I feel like the only person who doesn't have to deal or who completely orchestrates how the circumstances happen is Anna. I feel like she is the one who's in complete control of how things happen based on circumstance. Mm-hmm. Although, I do like it that she does entertain a relationship with Larry. I do like it that they end up hitting it off and getting together off of their first encounter in the There's aquarium. There's something that's because odd. Because it was... Kind of, about it, I like but, their chemistry. But I like their chemistry, and I went along with. It. I mean, there's definitely something if you wanna if you wanna be rational about this, right? Anna is just sitting at the aquarium because she likes looking at strangers, and all of a sudden, <laughs> one of these strangers talks to her, calls her a like. Let's not wax intellectual here. She, <laughs> he says, "What is it that he calls her like a." A, a, like a cum-guzzling queen. Yeah, or like cum-hungry bitch Cum-hungry bitch or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and she's just like, ho, ho, she's okay. Like, excuse me? <laughs> and, like, she's, because she's super strong. Like, she yeah. really is. Like, she, like, we see in the first uh, scene with her and Dan, which is the only scene that we've seen her in before that, uh, that she is more than capable of holding her own alone in this room with a complete male stranger. Yeah. And he says, come here. Mm-hmm. And we see her and she, previous to that, has been in control. Like, stand up, up, stop slouching, up. She's in control. Mm-hmm. And when he says, come here, she literally just takes like two steps <laughs> and makes him come the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Like, so she is more than capable of holding her own. Mm-hmm. So, but still... In that aquarium, like, there's just this weird dude <laughs> who looks like he could, like, break you in a second. Oh, yeah. Like, he could break, he could, that, I'm fairly certain that Clive Owen could break anything in a second. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go on record and say that. In a second. He could break anything in one <laughs> second. One American second. I don't know if time is, like. Different over there? Different everywhere. You know, the else. currency know. exchange like, the time's different, like, <laughs> jet lag and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but, 
the fact that like when you see them like walking down uh the like the pier outside of the aquarium shortly after that, mm-hmm. you're just like, damn, she's she's just going with this guy somewhere. Yeah. And I guess maybe because he's a doctor. First off, you don't know if he's a doctor, but maybe because he's a doctor. He does. Like, yeah, he why does, would you go with he does this person? He really is, but he's really I mean, a doctor, yeah. and he is kind of charming. He's good looking. He is charming, and he so, immediately is apologetic for how. Yeah, he's that's just got her. predator written all over yeah. it to me. Yeah. But again, it's Julia Roberts and Clive Owen, and they're two beautiful, charming people, and I want them to be happy. Well, I think, and I'm happy that they're the ones that end up together. Yeah, as little as I believe that that's going to work out. Right. Well, I think Anna kind of engages with Larry because it's an extension of her relationship with Dan. I think at first it starts out as like a way to kind of test how this Dan thing is going. And she lets it go too far. She lets mm-hmm. it go so far as to date him for four months. Cupid. She, yeah. She, I think she's into the story. And I don't think if Dan played a part, I don't think she and Larry might have even ended up together. I, I think she knew that she was attracted to Dan and just didn't admit to it. And let too many people get hurt in the process. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, like the the craving of the like the fantasy of Dan mm-hmm. allowed Anna to really test the waters with Larry. Mm-hmm. Because even in that yeah. scene, I mean, because they're together for what four months four when months. we finally see them in the exhibition, and then that's when they start their affair, and then she still ends up marrying Larry. Mm-hmm. And I think that was maybe a no. I would hope to think that that had good intentions because she did try to quit Dan after mm-hmm. that. But well, she, she also could. had the whole thing where he uh, his father had just passed away as well. Is that true though? Yeah, because he was he had to go away for the weekend because his father passed away. Okay, that's why he went away. That's why he was okay. planning on go. That's why he was going away, for and the that's weekend. why Alice had a problem with it. Like, why are you going away for the weekend? Like to mourn. To mourn. To gotcha. mourn and. Okay. He was, I think, using that as there was the exhibition at the same time. Yeah. So again, weaselly little fuck that time. Definitely. But good idea. Like <laughs> if you're giving him props for being a weaselly fuck, like that's, that's as weaselly as it gets. Like yeah. that's pretty good. You're using your father's death to like figure out like, ooh, and she's also opening that art exhibit on this. Oh, so we'll go mm. to that art exhibit show and da 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 da. Yeah, yes. that's too much. Oh God, what a yeah yeah. He's a villain too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the yeah they're all villains except for Alice. Oh shit, we just we just proved that without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In the fact that too that he said, you know, I'm always watching you, and or he, she said that's because you're always lurking, and he said yes, and when I'm I'm not there, you look for me. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, how do you know if you're not there? Because I'm lurking I am further. There. I'm lurking from a distance. distance. Oh man, yeah. So. Unfortunately, I feel like Anna's relationship with Larry is all a byproduct of her interaction and desire to see how Dan reacts to it. It's all about action and reaction in this film. Except for Alice. Except for Alice, who's really genuinely... Even now that I think about it, like, Dan is the one that she's in love with. When she has scenes with Anna, and even that big scene with Larry, besides the first one, the big one in the strip club... Mm -hmm. I don't think she slept with him. You don't think so? Why do you think she admits to it in the end, then? Because I think she realized that she it's all over and she wants to be able to, to break out. it off. I, I don't want to... What does she say? Like She's like, uh, I want to tell you the truth and I can't, so it's over. So it's over, That's yeah. it. And I think it's kind of like... I don't want to lie to she's you, like, but I can't tell you the truth. She's like, this will help. 
But also at the same time, like there is a conviction in Larry's voice when he says it, where he is just like, I got you. Like, but he's kind of convincing in everything he says. And he's conniving. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he would say that. I do not put it above or below Larry at all to say, yeah, I fucked her. As he as, as he leaves. Well, I think too he's like I'm letting him get away scot free. I have to I have to get at him somehow. It's very possible. And I yeah. think it was like a fight or flight aspect, yeah. and he chose fight, and that's how he knew he could get to him the most. But I honestly just don't like the more we're talking about Alice, the more I'm like. You don't think she slept with him? I don't think that she would. She really did not. And I know that we, and I think that that plays into, you know, we don't see the in-betweens. We Mm -hmm. see the beginnings and the endings of things. Mm -hmm. And why I don't think that they slept together, Alice and Larry, is because we don't see an ending to that. And we don't. Yeah, you're right. We don't see any follow-up where Larry and Alice talk to each other. And I think there was something like that with the play, where there was like a different ending to the play, Mm -hmm. where... Um, Alice isn't involved because Alice has already jettisoned. She's already gone. Oh, I had heard, or in my reading, I didn't read the play, okay. but in my reading, it was that she had been struck by a car and killed. Oh, and Jesus. That, and that Dan was the only one who could identify her body. What? And he went and had to identify her. And he's talking to Anna about it later on. Um, because at the end of the film, she's crossing what? the street and it pans up to that don't walk sign. And you start the movie with seeing her hit by a car. And so that's what well, I, I mean. I always got that, that that was wow. Like a repeating I, of history. Well, not but, a repeating of history, but more like a, the reason the way that she got herself involved with all of these despicable characters was by just kind of going through life on her own rules. True. That's what I always got from that. Well, she's in a new place, too, and she looks to the wrong side of the street. She doesn't... I mean, I'm sure she was aware. Oh, shit, she does! Cars drive on the opposite side of the street. So I think that's why she looks to her left. Hey, now. But then a car hits her to her right. So I don't know. This is crazy. I guess I would have to read the play to know how the play ends specifically. Oh, I just bought it if you want to borrow it. Like, that's, (laughs) that's nuts. I didn't know the ending was that intensely different. Like, that's... I guess, I mean, it's implied... It is in the fun. movie, but like, but I like having, that they don't take it there. Yeah, having like, cause the, cause it's the three other characters have to come together to go talk about I'm, Alice's body. I'm not sure. I think it's just Dan, but he ha- ends up like, and then he, and that's how they find out that Alice isn't her real name. Possibly. Shit. <laughs> Maybe. Damn. Yeah. All right, Patrick Marber, if you're out there, good job. Good <laughs> job, dude. Very, very dark yeah. of it. Um. Well, we've been talking for a while about it. We you got have. anything else to, I mean... Um, the only other thing I had pulled up was yeah. that How Soon Is Now song by the Smiths. Ah. That is playing in the strip club scene. And it's playing up towards the very, very end. Because when he, when Clive Owen, when Larry first enters the strip club, they're playing Smack My Bitch Up, which I think is hilarious. That's why you said this beforehand, and you were talking about a song, and I was like, are you talking about like when he's walking in, there's like that <laughs> techno... Like, smack my bitch up? Like, okay, so this is the song that you want to talk about. Right, right. Um, This is towards the very end of that scene. Once, like, she's revealed her name, and they're really talking with truth, truthfully about his feelings, Mm -hmm. and she's questioning him. Talking with each other instead of at each other. At each other. That's very true. Um, 
And a lot of these lines are so telling of what's going to happen for mm-hmm. the rest of the film. Um, one of the lines is, you shut your mouth. How can you say I go about things the wrong way? I'm human and I need to be loved just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, there's a club if you'd like to go. You can meet somebody who really loves you. So you go and you stand on your own and you leave on your own and you go home crying. Shit. And it's so like very cognizant. I think this was a brilliant song choice. I'm a fan of the Smiths Do you think that, that was anyway. in the play? I'm not sure. I mean, that's a great Smith song. Yeah, and it says, so you go and stand on your own, you leave on your own, you go home and you cry and you want to die. When you say it's going to happen now, well, when exactly do you mean? See, I've already waited too long and all my hope is gone. And that's That's very much how Alice, I feel like Alice lives her life. I don't remember that playing in there, yeah. Oh, really? I don't remember, I think because I was really into the scene, I remember Mm -hmm. there's music happening all throughout it and I guess at one point I was kind of like, as a Smith, but I was still watching the the story. Right. But that line in there about, um, that it, it like going home alone and crying. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of plays into maybe they didn't sleep together. Maybe they didn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe they both. I wonder if that song was in the original play, mm-hmm. you know, because I'd imagine that they probably have like a, you know, a scene, a bunch of flashing lights and everything while at the club and we get to see these two actors together on stage alone. I'd really love to see this play. I would too. Mm. Please revive it. Please have a revival of Closer. So revive we can go, the play. So we can go watch this play and yeah. see how it plays out. I also Ooh. found out in the play too uh, how they do the whole like uh, cyber sexing between uh-huh. Dan and Larry is I think it's uh, the two actors are on each are on one side of the stage and the, uh, the screen is being projected. This, like what their, what their, uh, their correspondence, how it's so perfectly <laughs> titled by Julia Roberts, is, yes. um, is like being projected up on the, uh, the stage wall behind them. That's fun. And so that's really cool because I kind of like that idea. I feel like that would play off way better. There is something that's very limiting to how you how that scene is shot mm-hmm. in this movie where it's like, it's these old computers and it's, it's very hard to keep up on technology that's real and have like, you watch these movies, you know, you watch a movie like network or broadcast yeah. news or something yeah. that like was back in the seventies or the eighties. And they're treating technology as this very serious thing that's being used to do this. And you're like, yeah, but that technology is fucking old. How dangerous could that be? Right. And, but you're like, Oh no, but at the time, what is it? Was, it was, well, I love, well, you're saying dangerous. Um, I love, I think my favorite thing in that scene isn't just the vulgar language, which is hilarious, but I love that they do that close-up of Dan's ashtray, because he's smoking as he's typing, and in that ashtray, there are like seven cigarette butts. Mm-hmm. So you get the sense that he's been doing this for a while, mm-hmm. cosplaying as Anna. And oh, yeah, you, just, could, you could go that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like how, I think that, in that, because he starts to get a little, he's not having as much fun with it, uh, when he's like, wait, which has one of the best scenes with Clive Owen, like picking up the phone and just being like, there's a, there's a, there's a doctor talk, doctor talk, doctor talk, doctor talk, doctor talk, doctor talk, doctor talk. And he hangs up and then that builds up to a really good gag where the phone rings again after like shit's getting re- like real. And he's like, he's just like. Picks up, hangs up, picks up, puts it off the hook. Really good joke. And that's and I think that that's uh, Mike Nichols coming in there again. Like, I haven't seen the play. I haven't read it all the way through just yet. 
but Mike Nichols has a really good way of, he did this in uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, where Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is a very devastatingly rough watch, whether it's the play or the movie. And the movie has these little elements of comedic backdrop to them. These little, these little, the, the humor is way more in there where it kind of lightens the mood because mm-hmm. without the humor, it just becomes this Sleep. scathing, brutal experience. Yeah, and definitely. the humor is very important. And Mike Nichols in both, you know, and the graduate and carnal knowledge are both examples of that. Mm-hmm. He has a way of just kind of making it a little bit more entertaining without just being fully brutal. A little more bearable. A little, a little bit of a comic relief. Comic relief. And he's, he's very, very good at that. Definitely. And I feel like this movie, the story, really uh, benefits from Mike Nichols being able to add that to it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I was reading that he drew heavily from an opera, and I'm going to butcher this because I don't have a lot of opera knowledge. Okay. Um, Cosi Van Tutti? Mm-hmm. And I could be butchering this. Cosi Van Tucci. Um, But it's a story about two men who decide to see if their fiancés will be loyal. And so they fake that they're being called off to war. And then they disguise themselves as other men to try to seduce said fiancés mm-hmm. into deception. And I think it's interesting that they took that, that Patrick took that, and made the two men, I think, are Anna and Dan. Mm. To see if their respective fiancés are, are, will remain loyal. But it becomes so convoluted that it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell exactly who he was intending um, to be the, the two men in that opera. But that opera is playing. That's the opera that Anna and Dan are attending. Oh. That's the opera that's going on while they're well, well, celebrating, well. quote-unquote, those but. those smarmy little writers. Oh, I know. They're those clever. little those little bastards. They're they know clever. what they're doing. Um well this has been great. Yeah, I think we've touched on all of the like really Yeah, this went way longer than I thought it was, but oh. would but I think yeah, that's just we... me. I think that's the plight of my podcast always run long. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't don't think that. Like the podcasts just run long cuz we don't we don't have any rules on them. We just kind of yeah. we just talk and like I covered everything that I really wanted to talk about and uh you got everything out. I think so. Yeah? Yeah, it's, it's a film that I'll continue to watch, I think, and still muse on. It's really but good. I think, I think it's, it's... I would go so far as to say is like it's a nice, classic, independent film from the early mm-hmm. 21st century, like the early aughts. Mm-hmm. We were getting some really crazy shit in between 2000 and 2008, especially after, like, you know, um, after, like big box office smashes like the matrix and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where they really kind of started overdeveloping um, what a big movie could be. And right. like, there's a lot of stars in this, like Clive Owen wasn't actually that big when this one came out. Like he was about to really top off with like, this, this actually topped him off. Like he got nominated right. and then children of men came out two years later and mm-hmm. it was just like, boom from there. Right. But like Natalie Portman, everybody had seen her in, in the Star Wars, <laughs> and uh, Jude Law. Jude Law was probably the biggest one in this. Uh, I mean, Julia Roberts, yeah, Pretty Women. So she was probably the biggest one. I think she's the one that gets the title, like the the first build. And let me say quickly on Julia Roberts that she is a very conventionally attractive person, mm-hmm. but I've never been like super she attracted just got to her. In, uh, world's most attractive this. woman. Really? Yeah, like literally, like yesterday from this recording. This was the first movie that I watched with her where I was like, oh, I get it. 
I get the Julia Roberts. I mean, thing. yeah, I've always gotten it. Like, I'll be honest, I like how I've always made fun of Julia Roberts uh, for the big mouth that like everybody. <laughs> she's got a huge mouth. Like, it's a big smile, a, but sometimes mouth, epic tits. <laughs> but I love, yeah, I love how like that's how. Dan's character chooses to describe Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. or rather Anna, not, not describing Julia Roberts. Oh, also, problematic that the character of Alice always has dark short hair, short hair with red in it. She's wearing that pink cropped wig mm-hmm. when Larry sees her in the strip club. Mm-hmm. When Dan first sees Alice again, she's wearing a blonde wig. Mm-hmm. Not unsimilar to how Anna's hair looks. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. a little strange. Mm-hmm. A little that was strange. like a quick aside. Also, too, I mean, when she has that short black hair, mm-hmm. which she literally has the haircut from her character in The Professional, <laughs> it's a little odd. Yeah. Because she even, like, acts kind of like, she, that's probably the one scene where she acts the most childish, too. She's like, I'm yeah. tired. I, yeah. was swe- I was sweeping on the couch. <laughs> like, yeah. all right, stop. Like, this is crazy. I don't want to think about Jude Law having sex with the character from The Professional, and that's right. all you're putting in my head right now. Yeah, and you're like, you're appearing younger than when we first met you, and this isn't good. You should be progressing and not mm-hmm. regressing. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. Boy. <laughs> well, it was yeah. good to hit. We should have cut it. Sorry. Five minutes ago. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> uh, all right, Bernadette, thank you so much for coming on for thank Closer. You for and uh, yeah, definitely, we got to get another over drinkers in between us. So. That sounds good. And yeah. uh, I'm Mike Burge. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Over Drinkers, where we. Killed yet another bottle of wine in an hour between two people. Fun times. We are recording. Red leather, yellow, yellow leather. Oh, shit. Ooh. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow Red leather. Red leather, yellow leather. leather. leather, yellow leather. Fried green tomatoes. Ew, that's a good one, Fried too. green tomatoes. The Fried secret is in the sauce. green tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes.